always trust the process. Welcome to a very special episode of Trust the Process, a podcast produced by the Martin Trust Center for MIT Entrepreneurship. My name is Chris, and I'm the host around here. Today, we're featuring a very special episode about the most selective and successful startup incubator at MIT, the Trust Center's Delta V program. Known as the capstone project for those in the MIT entrepreneurship ecosystem, Delta V brings undergraduates, Sloanies, and PhDs together in one space where they have the chance to grow and shape the next big thing. For three months, startups run by MIT students and their co-founders work at the Trust Center, They are supported by full-time entrepreneurs and residents, a mock board of directors filled with friends of the program, and one-on-one sessions with the center's senior leadership. Since the program's inception, 61% of companies that took part continue to exist or have been acquired by another company. 63% of all projects have resulted in companies which raised investor money. Over the last 10 years, Former Delta V teams have raised more than $1 billion in total funding. It's no surprise that Delta V teams are skilled at raising funds. While those teams are still in the Delta V program, they access funding through a unique board of directors model. Each team presents a monthly report to a mock board of directors who control the flow of funding to the teams. This summer, we interviewed one of these teams throughout the three-month program. Nurture, spelled N-U-R-T-U-R, is a digital health product which predicts the likelihood a woman will suffer postpartum depression and provides self-directed therapy models to women likely to be affected. The company has two co-founders, Kristen Ellison. Hi, my name is Kristen Ellison, and I'm the co-founder of Nurture. And Bindu Chanagala. Hi, I'm Bindu Chanagala. And I am the co-founder and COO of Nurture. These women met in the Sloan School's mid-career MBA program. They came together as entrepreneurs inspired to tackle the problem of postpartum depression. A topic that Bindu understood personally. You are so busy and worried about this baby that you made a choice to bring, you know, hopefully, in, in a wanted pregnancy. And then the unwanted pregnancy, that's another whole um, set of emotional trauma that you know a person and their family goes through. Even if it is a little phase, let's say it's just a phase, hopefully they'll come out of it, but then that has to be addressed. How do they take care of that phase when they choose to have a second baby? When we learned a lot about what women are going through with postpartum depression, what we realized is no one's looking out for them. They're just falling through the cracks. And by the time you get postpartum depression, it's really hard to be a self-advocate because depression is basically your brain is sick. You're not able to under you know see the world the way that you would have crystal clear before. The pair initially entered the Delta V program thinking their product would look like a digital health application that could predict whether new mothers were likely to suffer from postpartum depression. This app would be designed to connect those women to a mental health provider. But there was a small, or rather a large problem. Kristen spoke about this problem early in the Delta V summer. 
Right off the bat, we really can't change the number of clinicians in the field, uh, but what we can do is make their time more effective and we can bring women to them earlier in the patient journey. So rather than having a woman who's six weeks post-birth, really struggling, clearly has postpartum depression, and she then has to figure out who to reach out to, what we're doing now is at 28 weeks pregnant, we can tell you you're going to have postpartum depression and uh, proactively enroll you in some of those programs. But this idea didn't prove strong enough. Nurture was eventually forced to confront the fact that even their highly efficient application, which was designed to save therapists a lot of time, could not solve a nationwide therapist shortage. Their board of directors questioned the value of an application that directed suffering women to seek therapy when there are so few therapists trained in postpartum modalities. So they scrapped their initial plan and pivoted to a self-directed therapy model. We really value behavioral health clinicians and the impact that they can have on patients with postpartum depression, but uh, realizing that there's not enough of them and so we're not actually solving this waitlist issue. We're, we're able to tell women, hey, you're going to have postpartum depression, but not necessarily able to give them a clear referral to an intervention. Um, so today, the app looks completely different because we're leveraging large language models to allow women to do this in a self-directed manner. Pivoting is a common occurrence at the Delta V program, though it is not a foregone conclusion. Each team's mock board of directors are highly regarded experts in their fields, and their feedback often results in some changes to a startup's idea. Yeah, I agree with everything Kristen said. I think we wouldn't have pivoted if our board members didn't ask those different questions, right? Like, I would have been happy with the the, the comfort of feeling with the idea that we had, uh, maybe... Uh, sometimes biased because of my own personal experiences. But then when they challenged us, we went and did more research. Yeah, I'd say one of the interesting things about doing this at MIT is this is a quant school. So everything has to be proven, just like Bindu said. And also, you have to have all your data points. And I think this goes back to people are not afraid to give you the feedback that you are completely wrong all the time. So I think our resilience after this program has gone up exponentially because now I'm just used to hearing every day that I'm wrong about everything. And, uh, but you also learn to take it with a grain of salt where you're literally on back-to-back calls and someone is telling you, no, don't do it this way. Do it like uh, this flavor. And then you go on a different call and someone's telling you, actually, you're supposed to do it this other flavor. So you get used to realizing that um, while you may be talking to amazing people who have the best of intention and great knowledge in this area, you still might sometimes be the best subject matter expert, and you have to make these calls. In fact, some might say Delta V offers MIT students so much feedback on their already well-developed startup ideas that going through the program is a crash course in sorting through feedback, trying to find the good, the bad, and the kind of things you don't want to hear, but you really need to. That's so right. Throughout these you know, the summer and even the last one month after the demo day, there's so much that is coming our way in terms of feedback. I think Kristen and I got really good at taking feedback in a, in a positive light and figuring out what should be implemented now, what should be shelved for now so we can pick it up later. Because I think every, every data point with each feedback is so critical. We don't want to ignore it, but we need to really filter it, figuring out what is 
important right now. One of the most important aspects of the Delta V program is that all teams are mentored on the disciplined entrepreneurship framework. This step-by-step business creation model was designed by Trust Center Executive Director Bill Ouellette. One other thing that comes to my mind, how um, Delta V experience helped nurture is that structured framework, the disciplined entrepreneurship. We, we've, obviously, you know, being in Sloan, you hear that all the time. But practicing that on a daily basis was another level. Right, like what is what is that? Because even in our conversation with um, Bill Allett yesterday, in my one-on-one with him, you know, he there was something that I said. He brought me back to come on because remember the discipline of entrepreneurship, you know. So it's um, I think those that framework, those principles, putting into practice is so critical. And I don't think we would have continuously done that if we were not in this ecosystem. It gives you this, the infrastructure and the framework to come in and work on your uh, your venture, you know, everything that they're doing for us here, which is just building that foundational mindset of skills that we can use to just make sure nurture is going into the right direction. So I think we still could have done that on our own, but it, honestly, this has been an incredible experience. Bindu and Kristen met as members of the Sloan Fellows Program, an accelerated one-year MBA course where mid-career students can attend business school for a shorter amount of time than usual. Many students return to their career after a condensed program like the Sloan Fellows. But Bindu and Kristen decided to pursue their own inspiration and ideas. I think I've always just sort of, you know, the journey for me was I just sort of let things happen to me. So for better or worse, it was like, oh, you know, I got into the University of Texas. That's where I'm going. And then, you know, um, actually Teach for America approached me. So then I was in Teach for America. And then that sort of turned into opportunities in the nonprofit world. And so I'll actually say that the first time I really did something for myself was actually MIT. And that's been such an interesting path for me where I realized I had been letting go of control of my life in so many ways and just hadn't been taking true ownership of it. And when I finally broke out of that mold was when I was like, I'm going to go crazy and I'm going to potentially fail. And it will hurt a lot if I don't get into MIT, but I need to actually start trying. Yeah, I resonate with that. MIT is something that um, I would, I would, I always called it a gift to myself. So this is something I wanted to do. And that's why I was able to prioritize my busy life and stayed focused and all that. So yeah, MIT is, is a gift. And it'll always, it's like that brand, right? Like you, you'll always have that and having like 100 plus people in a cohort from different industries and different corners of the planet, you can, we, we, we are very closely tied and we have great friendships. So yeah, this is a beautiful gift that I, very expensive gift that I gave myself, so... In particular, Bindu never really imagined a life in which she would be an entrepreneur. In fact, when she was in high school, she imagined her life would go in a completely different direction. Growing up, I thought I loved languages, especially in India. We all speak several languages, you know. I grew up speaking English. Uh, my native language is Telugu. And our national language is Hindi and our neighboring states have different languages that you kind of, you know, understand a little bit. 
So I thought I'll become a writer. <laughs> and my dad said, that's not going to pay any bills, honey. So he kind of pushed me into engineering um, because growing up, there's only three things you're allowed to even pursue. It's doctor, engineer, or you're a failure. So that, that's when um, I started off engineering discipline from high school. Like it's, I did a diploma in electrical and electronics engineering. I think I kind of tested and tried things um, that I didn't put my heart to. But one day I am going to be a writer. So just watch out for my book. A chance meeting set up by a fellow Sloan classmate led to a deep connection between Kristen and Bindu. Kristen had an idea for an entrepreneurial project that sought to address postpartum depression in women. Delta V just seemed like such an exciting experience. Right off the bat, when you come to campus in the fall semester, the first thing that happens campus-wide is the Delta V pitch day, demo day. And so we went to it, and it's such a you know fancy affair, the most polished people you've ever seen in your life on this stage talking about these incredible companies that are so creative and uh, just well done. And so... I was not thinking last year that we would be here, but it was definitely just exciting to see what the ecosystem could push out. And um, at that point, I had enrolled in New Enterprises, you know, the most famous course in entrepreneurship here at MIT, um, and was starting to really ideate on this postpartum depression question. For me, who was a complete accidental entrepreneur, I remember asking Kristen, okay, Kristen, if we join hands, what's next? What is that next step that that's good for nurture? And she said, Delta V. That was where I stayed focused on, okay, nurture has to go to Delta V. One thing I love about Bindu is she's at the exact same level. So she really understands, um, you know, the corporate lifestyle. And she also understands the freedoms that we're enjoying in this program and the way that we get to direct everything instead of being a cog in the machine. Both women find that their individual talents complement one another. And it's interesting. I find I was thinking about this today, Bindu. Uh, Bindu's more risk averse. I tend to be more risky, but I tend to be very slow in like decisions. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to take the risk, but I want to think about it. And Bindu's very decisive. She's like decisively not risky. And so we sort of balance each other out. So we take like a middle ground. That's something that you know, like what you hear is what you get. You know. So I'm very decisive and like. It, it does bother me when decisions are not made faster, but I understand the process that Kristen has to go through in making that decision. But yeah, I'm, I'm a very decisive leader. With their newfound experience in the Sloan Fellows program, both women could have easily returned to their respective career fields with new titles and new responsibilities. But instead, they chose to continue pursuing their own ideas, which were focused around postpartum depression. Postpartum depression is a topic that both women care about deeply. But for Bindu, it was a very personal concern. She had previously experienced postpartum depression, and during the Delta V program, she suffered a miscarriage just days before one of the team's board meetings. Yeah, I feel more inclined to kind of share the truth. Um, I was not at the right place mentally and physically. So thanks, huge thanks to Kristen and Shanice who, who took a lot of load of this whole thing. I think we worked 
we worked so hard to get ready for this board meeting and was it a day day or two the reason i'm speaking about this is our product um i want our product to help women to speak up so i want to exemplify that for a second <laughs> um my husband and i we always wanted to have six kids so including our angel baby boy samir we had five so i've ha- always had this lingering is there one more and but then by this time our lives are already crazy busy a lot of times people question us how do you guys do this because we are always go 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 in a good way so i thought okay after mit we should have that sixth baby so i was pregnant for 9 weeks and a day before the board meeting i started miscarrying that baby so it was hard <laughs> it was really really hard i'm really proud of you she's the strongest person i know and you're so there for your family and just thanks for letting us be there for you right now as well and for sharing this with other women it's it happens so much more than people talk about yeah yeah i and it is hard it's hard for women to talk about it and we need to create platforms we have to create spaces for women to speak about it and even just you know like she showed up at the board meeting she's put together but knowing that behind the scenes so much is going on for you and um you know how do we have conversations like this with our board and let them know like hey this was a a hard week like this wasn't just an easy peasy any other week in delta v Bindu's experience growing up with difficult family dynamics has led her to devote the past year of her life to a new entrepreneurial venture. It has also encouraged her to continue being the kind of leader who speaks up for others. Honestly, the growth that I had as a person and as a leader in different organizations is because I speak up. Sometimes it's hard for people to speak up. I spoke up in rooms at tables where people don't speak up usually. And that's why, you know, some people appreciated that, noticed that and took me to places where I didn't think I could go. And after experiencing um a loss around close to halfway through pregnancy was the hardest thing I did. But then at that point I couldn't relate much to early losses, you know, like okay, how how would this be if i lost this baby at 8 weeks or 9 weeks and i experienced that too so in a way i feel like i do have a calling of speaking up for women who experience so many things as mothers as you know having this desire to be mothers bindu's grit strength and willingness to say what needs to be said when it needs to be said led me to wonder if anyone had ever modeled this behavior for her when she was growing up in india actually none i saw a lot of things are usually either shut down or people force you to shut up and not talk about those things um i think i would give credit to my mom my mom uh, went to school only, only until 7th grade and she had to quit going to school after my grandpa passed away <clears throat> due to a tumor that he didn't know he he passed away very young he was um in his early 40s and my mom was the only girl child 
uh, and have five uh, she has five brothers so at that point in india she felt like she needs to stay home and take care of her mother because after my grandpa passed away my grandma um had a paral- paralysis stroke that she couldn't move much so as a daughter all the responsibility fell on her and then she's she's married to my dad i think they had a beautiful life but then they come from two different families but then i think with the way my mom was treated in different settings i felt the need to speak up when one of her brothers was questioning her something on a, on a, it was a telephone conversation and i didn't like the way my mom was crying or you know like was she was having to like prove herself on something i just didn't like it i questioned my uncle that's not how you speak to my mom and during different settings when my dad um he's an amazing dad but sometimes not a good husband <laughs> uh, he knows that and we speak a lot about it he's he's a, he's a fabulous father he provided us very well gave us the best education that's why i'm here but sometimes he didn't know how to respect my mom so growing up i thanked him for the education and the awareness he gave me which sometimes he regretted that he gave me too much education <laughs> um and i reminded him that's not how you talk to my mother so i think you were forced into situations where i think um both my sisters and i we we speak up and speaking up got me into trouble <laughs> a lot of times but those all have been good lessons so on the other side of the team kristen grew up in dallas texas the child of canadian immigrants Canadians um didn't really understand the sports empire that is the United States never really was raised on football um but you know I was raised on like my dad's original Isaac Asimov novels or things like that I played the cello in high school so I really just had my head in a book all the time with this really close tight-knit family Much like Bindu's own mother Kristen was asked to take on a parentified role at an early age Um and you know what other things that really impacted my journey my my little brother was um he had some special needs he had some things that he was dealing with and so I was really um parentified at a younger a younger age and I was able to sort of be his advocate which also led me to always want to be an advocate for special needs populations mm-hmm. I think I think what you have to do when you're like the older child and the younger sibling has like just those special needs is um you be, you become an island so you make sure that you don't have any needs so that he can have all of the attention and he needs to um you know and it's for the better thing it's the best thing for him it's the best thing for your parents and so um i become sort of hyper independent in some ways i think as a result of that but it's pretty difficult to be a super independent person when you're working at a startup uh, wouldn't you say um so i think sometimes i really do miss the structure of the corporate world um being really good at one or two things and that's all that's really asked of you in those roles um and the ability to hone in but i think when you do that you kind of phone it in as well you, you get really bored and you don't really find yourself being challenged which is why we did eventually come to sloan 
I think one thing I've noticed, we've been in this program for two and a half, three weeks now, is um, just how aware everyone is of each other's mood states, or maybe especially mine, especially if I have too much caffeine. Bindu's always like, Kristen, are you doing okay? Or, you know, so she kind of notices my mood states more than I'm noticed, more than I'm, I'm used to other people noticing. So it's, uh, it's definitely, you have an awareness of the way that your emotional states can impact other people. And we're sitting next to each other. We don't really have these independent offices that we might be used to. So, um, yeah, I would say that you, there's definitely a lot more intimacy in that way. While the Delta V program is widely known as the capstone project of the entrepreneurial ecosystem at MIT, Bindu has an even better metaphor for it. My most recent thing, we actually did another interview for an article. You know, for me, the delicious cake is the MIT, and the cherry on top is MIT's Delta V accelerator. This cherry that is so, so, you know, there's only one cherry on each on each cake, <laughs> and everybody wants that cherry, but there's only few lucky ones that get to eat that cherry. So that's how I see the Delta V experience. I think people need to just. I think Kristen did a phenomenal job. I was a bit late to the game, but she did such a good job in utilizing the complete ecosystem of entrepreneurship. You know. Um, start MIT. We also participated in IDEA's social innovation program. There's 100K competitions. There's pitch, a pitch to meet or some, you know, a couple of events that we went to. I think, I think you have to utilize everything that this beautiful ecosystem offers you and see where it takes you. And hopefully you'll achieve that velocity and come into Delta VP. As, I think as much as we both worked hard, we also feel very lucky, very honored, very blessed and very privileged to experience um, what we experienced this last summer. Both good, bad, everything, good, bad and ugly. I will take all of it. I will not delete any of this irrespective of you know what is happening. I, I, I'll take all of this as a huge learning opportunity. To learn more about Kristen and Bindu's company, Nurture, spelled N-U-R-T-U-R, you can visit their website at www.nurturteam.com. To learn more about Delta V, which is open to any startup with at least one founding member enrolled at MIT, visit the Trust Center website. Well, that's it for a very special episode of Trust the Process. This is a production of the Martin Trust Center for MIT Entrepreneurship. It is hosted and edited by me, Chris Burns. Executive production by Greg Weimer. See you next time.